Good morning. It is Friday here in the month of April. Friday free-for-all, let's call it. That is, I'd love to have your phone calls or questions, comments, live here on the program on Friday. And so our number, if you want to call, I'd love to talk to you. This is Peter John for Rogue Grace. And our number is 541-899-5275, otherwise known as 899-KAPL. So give me a phone call today for a discussion about God, His Word, what is placed on your heart, questions you may have. We're going to open them up for those phone calls here on Friday. Again, one five four one eight nine nine K A P L, and I would love to talk with you or hear from you. Wouldn't it be amazing? I mean, more than amazing. That's not even a proper description. Where you are in the temple, the temple grounds and the outer court, and you have brought your sin offering, the lamb, to be sacrificed where you are the one that puts the lamb to death. And you know that it is dying because of what you have done. Wow. To come to that conclusion, to have that thought enter, that animal is dying for my sin. And you realize that you were the cause. The book of Hebrews, the New Testament tells us that that provided a covering for your sin, but it wasn't until Jesus, our lamb was sacrificed that the consciousness of sin was washed away. Just like the song, right? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And The book of Hebrews says in the New Testament that those sacrifices did not make or did not perfect the conscious. It did not make perfect a person's conscience. Could not cleanse our conscience until Jesus, our Lamb. All those sacrifices, those offerings... Those lambs, those bulls, those rams were pointing, speaking of his sacrifice. So today on this Friday, you have, when you remember what I'm saying, a clean conscience. He died for all. So now we live for him. Isn't that great? Good news, right? No wonder it is called the gospel. 
So give me a phone call. I'd love to take them here on this free for all Friday. We have three phone lines open. I would love to talk to you. 899-5275.
So we're opening up the phone lines here on Rogue Grace. Call me, would you? At 541-899-KAPL. For calls, questions, comments, thoughts on the Bible, on theology, on God. And I'd love to have a discussion with you here right now. And while we're waiting for someone to call, <laughs> let me read to you from the Gospel of John in chapter 1. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've heard that before. That scripture from John chapter 1. That as I just read to you. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Think about that beautiful statement for a moment with me. If you're tuned in. The law was given but grace and truth came. Isn't that a beautiful description of grace and truth? It came. Now, it doesn't, you might have assumed, maybe I would have presumed that it would say the law and truth was given, but grace came. No, I love that just to drive the point home into our hearts. The law was given, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And by the way, that little word and is added there into our English language, but there is no such word such as and in this description, in this sentence, in the original Greek language, literally grace, truth came through Jesus Christ. Beautiful. I love it. Now, it doesn't say the law and truth. It doesn't mean, though, that there's no truth in the law. I'm not saying that. But grace and truth is on one side. In the Greek language, they're both one because the verb is singular. The verb comes is singular, which isn't normal for the grammar, by the way. So it's a fabulous insight, wonderful truth, grace truth. The fact that your sin is forgiven is truth. The fact that you are righteous and cannot add anything to it nor take away from it through your own action is truth. It's not sloppy agape. It's not wishful thinking. It's not a cheap grace. It is grace and truth. Free for all Friday. I'd love to take your phone calls about doctrine, the Bible, discussion, 
So we'll open up the phone lines here. 899-5275 with the area code 541. Give me a call, would you? I'd love to hear from you. We'll be right back.
And welcome back here to Free For All Friday, which theoretically I'm supposed to be taking your phone calls. But if no one calls, then I cannot take them, will not take them, obviously. But here is what I'm just reminded about. I am just as righteous. I am just as, quote, good with zero phone calls, like I presently have, as though I had jammed phone lines. See how this thing called God's grace, his imputed righteousness can work in our everyday lives? I'm giving you a personal example right now. Whereas my mind, what we might call the flesh, would take pride or security. Wow, I got jammed lines with phone calls. I must be doing something right. Okay. But then I can now take all that I ever talk about week by week that it is God's merited favor. No, unmerited favor. It is God's grace that justifies me through Jesus Christ and not my own performance, behavior, or accomplishment. Isn't that beautiful? So I get to apply that right now. So you are right now listening to a live, not only broadcast, but a working out of my faith and my salvation, as I say, my justification isn't because I have a jammed phone line or 500 fans or a thousand likes on Facebook or whatever, but rather because Jesus Christ said it is finished. I'm taking that to heart right now. And even though I take that to heart, and it's very true. I'm still going to go to the phone lines, but I just can't find my righteousness through them, right? Let's go to caller number one. Hello, Stacy. Thanks for calling. How are you this morning? I'm great, Pastor Pete. Blessed and highly favored. Nice. Amen. Join you over here on the Southern Oregon Coast. Oh, cool. Southern Oregon Coast. So. Yep, right that, in Port Brookings? Orford. Okay. I love it over there. It's always sunny for some reason whenever I go there. Well, that's just because you come here. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. <laughs> we, we, we had a lot of hail the other day. Did You, you had a power outage. Uh-huh. We had it, too, over here. Not hail, but we had power outages for sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's on your heart? Well, I had a question. You blessed me so much yesterday talking about um, your daughters. Mm-hmm. And we were thinking on um, the spirit of adoption and how you had adopted the daughters and... Your father went with you and helped you. Yeah. And I just wanted you to, to talk a little bit more today about that adoption into with with Israel mm. um, Christians. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay, I'll and do can that. You do that. And yeah. I'll take uh, okay. anything you have to say and be blessed on the air. Thank you, Stacy, for your phone call. Very, very. You're welcome. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know. 
I'll tell you something about adoption, and that is in Ephesians, as you might have read in your own Bible readings at times, that we are adopted into the body of Jesus Christ, into the church, you and I, into the kingdom of God. We are adopted, as Paul writes to the Ephesians, and to you and to I. Now, I like that because here is what I like about that, and that is in that very same book, it is the apostle who says, in the church, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, male or female, bond or free. That adoption that we now have in Jesus Christ means it doesn't matter where you came from or what your last name is or what title you may have. All of that is now obsolete. And that's why I think many don't ever become Christians. They don't want to lose whatever they're holding on to. And so I give it to the Holy Spirit to bring that person into adoption. It can't be something that a person is going to seek on their own. I think we hold on to all these other things to find our identity. Now, we are adopted into the family of God as Christians. And Stacy pointed out, I think validly, there's a difference between that and Israel which I think that's perhaps why Paul refers to the church as adopted, Christians as adopted, because the the church is not the child of God as is in many ways Israel. Now, not as in Jesus. He is the only begotten son. But Israel is called the firstborn. So there's this dynamic with Israel and with the Jews that is unique from the church and the Gentiles, by the way, in Christianity. Once you become a child of God, there is no Jew or Gentile. So when I talk about Jews and Gentiles, I mean before they become Christians. But even still, the Jews and Israel have this special standing. And I, I, I'm i not going to necessarily... I'll leave that up to others, maybe Stacy, maybe my dad, other people that are interested in this to speculate. That would be probably the right word. But I would say, yeah, the Jews and Israel have some kind of relationship with God that is unique, even though in Christ there is no Jew or Gentile. That is my opinion. Just giving you my thought. That still, this is purely my opinion, of course. And I might be wrong, but even in heaven, I don't know. There's going to be a dynamic when there are people who are truly Israelites or Jews. That's my opinion. I might be wrong because I know this as children of God, we have been adopted. So there is no longer Jew or Gentile, male or female bond or free. And yet there is this special relationship between God and the Jews that is unique from God and the Gentiles in which God calls Israel my firstborn. So there's some status there, a beauty there. And I need, I'm glad that, that, that 
she called about that because I need to be reminded of that. Sometimes it's easy for me, maybe my generation. I think my generation, yeah. My age, which I'm getting older, so. But we, 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 we can tend to, I don't know what the word I would use, write Israel off. Even those of us who are, I don't know, um, pro-Israel, you know, there isn't the same kind of support I would, I'm suggesting. There's not the same kind of, um, there's not the same kind of support for Israel as is our parents' generation in most cases. That's my opinion. As I've talked to people over the years and have my antenna up a bit and I'm not even gonna um I'm not even necessarily going to chastise my generation for that maybe that we deserve it I don't know I, I I think that it can be that Israel is put on too high a pedestal <gasps> how can you say that I know I know there are some uh, but I think you could put anybody or anything on you could put your own spouse on too high of a pedestal if it takes the place of truth or of God in a way that it shouldn't. And while I believe Israel is beautiful and precious and chosen, I think that there had been a tendency for 20, 30 years or so to put it too high on a pedestal. That's my just my opinion, of course, again. But I do know this is not simply my opinion that God says Israel is my firstborn. There's something to be said about that. And so, I don't know, I'm just kind of babbling a bit because you're getting the opinions of a Generation X dude on the subject of Israel. Those are some of my opinions, though. And I love Israel. I've been to Israel more than once. I pray for Israel, for the peace of Jerusalem. And I also believe Israel can be placed on too high of a pedestal from a generation of Christians that rightly took up the cause of Israel, but maybe it shouldn't have come at the expense of Christianity. That's just my opinion. Okay, let's go to caller number one and talk to Bill. Good morning, Bill. How are you? Good morning, Peter John. How are you? I am good. It is a beautiful day because my sins are forgiven. I Just for that, I'm grateful. <laughs> hey, what's on your mind, my friend? Uh, I wanted to mostly understand, when you talked about the terminology of a seared conscience, mm -hmm. is, it, is a seared conscience a conscience that, like Martin Luther, who is just so overwhelmed by his own sin that uh, he felt like he could never uh, work to deserve the righteousness that God has given him? Or is it just a, a seared conscience? Is a seared conscience a, a thing in which you become so deadened to sin because you close your eyes to what God's telling you and you do it anyway? What is the definition of a seared conscience? Good, good, good question, and let me give you my thought on that, Bill. And that would be whenever you read about the conscience in the scriptures, including the state of a conscience, 
like you just mentioned, a seared conscience. Um, whenever you read about the conscience, including a seared conscience and, uh, you know, the other states of conscience, it always, you, I, I, this is my, this is my kind of not, I guess I'll say my assignment for you, my challenge for you is find out the scripture before and after it. And I'm telling you that you will always find something to be said. And I know I sound redundant. That's just how I am. But you'll find something about the grace of God. So when it comes to a seared conscience or um, any other conscience that is not a pure conscience, it always has to do with someone who is seeking to alleviate their conscience by or through something other than God's grace. So, um, you know, look it up in a concordance or on your computer on Blue Letter Bible and look up conscience in the New Testament. And, and my, my statement, and I want you to, you know, and when I say you, I don't just mean you, Bill, I mean anyone who's listening, who wants to do this will find that next to the scripture of conscience in every case, is when it is describing the state of a conscience, including the seared one, like you talked about, there will be something in the very next verse or the very preceding verse that has to do with the grace of God. So in my opinion, then, a seared conscience or any other state of conscience that the New Testament talks about that is not a pure conscience has to do with this person who is not Ex, uh, um, is not experiencing or receiving the grace of God. That's the only balm or healing for a conscience in my reading of the New Testament, that it's the only way my conscience can be healed. Even um, in the um, Old Testament, the sacrifices that were made, the, the, it could cover sin, but it couldn't clear a person's conscience because then they would sin again and it would be on them once more. But the power of the New Testament, including what you're referring to, uh, a, a, you know, a conscience, is that it is cleared, it is cleaned by the grace of God, namely through the cross of Jesus Christ. So that's one way to, to that uh, assignment I would give, is whenever you find a, the, the scripture for conscience, find the word grace or God's grace right before or right after that scripture because it's there. And I think it's because grace, God's grace is so integral to a person's conscience. What do you think about that? Or does that make any sense? It does make sense, but it's kind of like a one, two step. I understand the first step, but the second step falls apart mm -hmm. uh, in in my experience because of weakness, because of uh, just the demons that seem to run through your head mm -hmm. of thinking over and over again about something, and you can't get it out of your mind to where you're you have a, maybe just sleepless nights mm -hmm. to where you just can't go back to sleep because you're. Your mind is just so active, and you're thinking about fear. You're thinking about this. You're thinking about that. And it, it, the, the second step is where the weakness is, and that's the application of, of, uh, of your walk to actually overcome this. And you can't, 
not think about something. You, 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 you're, you're obsessed by the thinking. You're overwhelmed by the thinking, and you just can't shut it off. You just can't shut off the thinking. And uh, you, you touched upon something a little bit earlier that you said the opposite of fear is not faith, but the opposite of fear is God's perfect love. So if if it if you can't drum up enough faith to stop the thinking, then God's perfect love is the solution to stop the overthinking, the over uh, uh, the overwhelming uh, uh, of the rat race of getting on off thoughts, and you just can't stop thinking about it. So, but to try to explain. I try to explain this concept that it's, it's not faith to someone else, and you know, and, and try to explain to them that it, it's faith. It, it's uh, the opposite of fear is not faith. You can't drum up the faith. Then, therefore, it has to be something that Lord just works out in you through the miracle of walking in the Spirit, and He j- accomplishes it in a way in which it's not by your thinking, not by your overwhelming of thought, but it's his perfect love, and yet it's nothing that you can control, nothing that you can drum up in yourself or, or anything else, and that's where it becomes bewildering, and you can't express it to someone else, and therefore you feel like the analogy just falls apart. <laughs> I hear you. That's why I do this every single day, Bill. I, I'm privileged. I, I get to do this because... Um, it's. I agree. I, you try to explain this, and it's got to be more than my ability to explain it. It's got to be more than my uh, ability to speak it. It's got to be something the Holy Spirit brings in when we're talking about the grace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, but here's what I'd like to say, too. Uh, first of all, you have an awesome bird in the background. Whatever that bird is sounds great. Um, <laughs> but the second thing I'd say is, um, along with agreeing with what you say, I totally get it. I mean, that's where I'm at. But um, the the idea of our salvation is, you, like you, you said a couple of times just now, the second part, and I totally, um, this is the way I'm thinking along those lines, and that is the first part is that our sins are forgiven. I mean, and to me, that is what is often emphasized although even that's not emphasized enough in sermons or theology or radio or or the church, for that matter. Um, but it's the second part that I really want us to grasp that I think we, we, we don't in the church today, and that is not only are your sins forgiven, but you are now the righteousness. You are righteous, so am I, the righteousness of, of God through Jesus Christ. So... Um, it's not just that my sin is forgiven. That's beautiful enough. But I think a lot of people leave it there and not realizing that they're also the second part, righteous in Jesus Christ. And that's the part I think that um, will, I, I just need to continue to establish in my own thinking and in our own um, thoughts, because I think that's the part that's going to not only get us off the hook, that was the first part, that our sins are forgiven. But the second part is going to cause us to make progress and move forward in this this pathway that we're on. So uh, I don't know if I, that makes any sense or not, if you're able to, to follow with what I'm saying about how 
most Christians realize their sin is forgiven, but it's the second part that God's righteousness is imparted that I really want to, to bring home as well. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. And may you today enjoy the righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. That is not something you have to strive for. Bill, it is yours. Amen. Amen. Thanks, bud. Say hi to that bird for me. <laughs> Give it a pet. God okay. Bless God bless you. That's cute. Hey, we're taking your phone calls. It is free for all Friday. Please give me a call. I've loved the, the couple of discussions we've had this morning. I'd love a couple more. I really would. What you have questions about the Bible? Not that I have all the answers, but I'd like to talk about it. How about um, a prayer request or an insight you have about the New Testament? What is it? 899. K-A-P-O. Give me a phone call, will ya? Love to talk to you. We'll be right back after this song. Never end. 
It is free for all Friday if, well, in theory, you wanted to call. Theoretically speaking, I'll take your phone call, 899-KAPL, 541-899-5275. And I am grateful that my righteous standing and that my justification is not based on how many people call my radio program. And let me tell you why. That gets me off the hook and frees me up for the rest of this day is because my last name, Corson, over the years I could have, theoretically speaking, put pressure on myself or felt the pressure. I have to get so many phone calls or tell so many stories or have so many people in my church. And I've felt that over the years. Can't say I haven't. I was the pastor at Applegate Christian Fellowship when my dad, a guy you know as John Corson, went down to Southern California. And I was the pastor and I got to, I, I'm, I was, it's a privileged place, but after three years, the church started splitting up. And then I moved to California and I've enjoyed being a pastor down there for whatever many years. And then I got sick. I mean, really sick. So now I'm here and guess what? I'm reminding my own soul, as well as talking maybe to someone else, our righteousness is not based on our achievement or accomplishment, but on the achievement and accomplishment of Jesus Christ when he declared it is finished. That's why it's such good news. Now, that's not just true to feel good, although it helps me feel better, but it's also true for our salvation. Let me put it to you this way. You are not a Christian because you are righteous. You are righteous because you are a Christian. You, as you continue to move forward and be sanctified, become more and more like Jesus, even if it's ever so little every day, you are becoming more like him, but you are not a Christian because you're more like Jesus. You are more like Jesus because you are a Christian. My point? It is finished. The work he did is enough. And you are going to become more and more like him because you are resting in that finished work. See, I'm not saying the work is finished, so go out and go ahead and drink your head off or go ahead and party and gamble all your money away. I'm saying because you rest in the finished work, you are not going to drink your head off or gamble or party all of your stuff away. You know what I mean? Now we have 
somebody called named Muhammad calling? <laughs> hey, Muhammad. Yeah, got a boot. <laughs> what in the world is this? Is this Sterling? Yes. I it knew is. it was Sterling, a.k.a. Muhammad. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, one time. Hey, actually, Sterling, one time. Uh, yeah. Uh, there, I met a guy. I, his name was Muhammad, and he was, uh, you know, no, no problem with this. I'm not saying anything wrong with this, not at all. He was uh, Arabian, and I met him in Medford and invited him to the mountaintop because uh, my dad was doing a retreat, and he came. And uh, the things that he said during the retreat, uh, let's just say I got in big trouble. <laughs> let's just say I didn't do that again. <laughs> hey, what's on now, your? Yeah, is he the same? Is he the same guy who came up and gave you a big hug and crushed your side? Uh, he might as well have been because <laughs> I still I have a broken laugh, rib. I really felt for you, you know. Yeah. I, just... <laughs> I would laugh with you, but it hurts too much. I know. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh. It, I I know. It was it was pretty funny. I guess funny is the word because uh, yeah. I was greeting all these people and he comes. Nice guy. You know, my oh, age, yeah. maybe, uh, intentions were yeah. like, yeah, buddy. Give me a big bear hug. And he lifted me up right off the ground and cracked my rib. <laughs> Based on everything else you're going. You right. Know? Oh, yeah. So give me another thorn in my side. Just right? add to it, baby. No. <laughs> so so my wife, she's she's been my, you know, like my like my nurse over these months and stuff. And she's seen all that I've gone through and never found anything funny until this one. Now she's cracking up. So as well as my rib. <laughs> Oh, you know, I don't know why I'm calling. Honestly, I just good. Good to hear your voice. Yeah, and, uh, we had, it's we good to laugh. Yeah, we got some good uh, laughs already. You know, I think, I think, uh, Pete. You know, I always, you know, I went to prayer last night, and 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 we're talking about you know sin and so forth. You know, and 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 uh, oh my gosh, I I can mess things up in a heartbeat if given the opportunity, and I don't keep myself in check. You know, but at the end of the day, you know. Uh, I know that the Lord said, hey, you know, the greatest thing is love, right? Mm. And I always thought, well, you know, why do I even move off of love? Mm. If I can't get that one down, what the heck's, you know, the point? And, and, and even in, you know, churches are an organization, and I feel as though Applegate has been, as they say, set apart. You know, we're up on the mountain. Um, you know, we got a guy who's been just talking about Jesus being the main thing for, you know, a very long time, mm -hmm. and yet all of us have this desire to be a, a part of something, and and then when that happens, then there's a lot of opinions, and then there's a lot of things that take place and so forth, you know, and if it's at the end of the day not motivated by a calling that Jesus has, what Jesus is talking about, if we're not, you know, directly involved in exercising opportunities to see people come to the kingdom, you know, all those things fade away. Hmm. And, um, you know, we've seen, you know, change after change after change hmm. after change, and I could say that a few more times at the fellowship, <laughs> and quite frankly, I felt like it's always been a good thing when it's taken place. You know, I remember um, we left for a few years, we've been going there maybe 26 years, and on the heels of your dad coming back, you know, we got there. And if you looked across the sanctuary uh, on a Wednesday night, it was, you know, and Seth was there, and 
your your brother was there and they had this you know Saturday night thing going getting ratcheted up and Seth starting to write a lot of music and and uh, oh my gosh there was some powerful stuff was just it seemed like just a few people in relationship to what that place brings you know is brought down and I remember your dad was up there one time you know and he said I'm gonna do what I feel like the Lord is calling me to do and if that means it's only me and my family here, and that's it, so be it. And we, and he just changed things up all the time. Just It was just like, all of a sudden we had a Thursday service, then we'd have this service, then we had that service. You know, and I just, I just so hope we don't get stuck in not, in whatever reason, as we pray for you guys, pray for your dad, you know, and because, you know, we submit to those things in leadership. You guys are accountable to the Lord in the, in the, in that presence, and whatever the case may be, that we're always just keeping the main thing the main thing and not getting stuck in, you know, which can be ultimately idolatries, you know, because we're in a program or whatnot. So I don't know if you heard all that because I'm driving. <laughs> I heard. <laughs> I did, and it's good stuff. Because, and I hope I wasn't too intense. No. You know, but yeah. I turned the radio off, and I feel like I'm just talking to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's awesome because it's a great, great conversation um, that that you're that we're having. So there you go, my yeah. friend. Thank you. I, I appreciate and I and I appreciate you taking the time to call in as you're driving, and hopefully you have a you're not on the phone. Hopefully you have some kind of mic, you know, mic'd up some kind of thing because you're driving. I do. I, it's a mic thing, but yeah. I'm not, <laughs> okay. I'm, and I'm telling I'm that doing, to my wife too. I'm doing it legal. Yeah. So, hey, I, <laughs> We love you tremendously. Thank you. Um, thank you for being here. Yeah. Thank you for allowing uh, you know some things to pour through you based on where you're at. It's, it's such a blessing. Um, I would tell you, you know, just in light of things that I've gotten revelation-wise from you over the years, one that just stuck out here recently was, you know, the whole, uh, you know, Goliath thing. And he says he he got the big he got the big one done. That's mm-hmm. over. Now all we got is these little Philistines running around. And yeah. I never heard it put that way. And I was like, right on, man, you know? I said that. I don't, I don't remember man, saying that. On. We'll deal with all these other little Philistines. <laughs> <laughs> I love Yeah, you know what? You remind me of my, if you remind me of any of my sermons like you just did, that's good because I don't remember even saying it. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> okay. <It> really was. <laughs> I love you, man. God bless. Love Thank, you too. Lord okay. bless you. That's funny. I really don't. I mean, when I'm having... I give a sermon, and since my brain surgery, I've forgotten what I said. That's why I put it on my notes. I read my notes. You're saying, well, it must not be from your heart. I think it is from my heart. I just, my memory doesn't work. So, you know, my wife's like, when I get home, oh, honey, you said this and this. Oh, really? What else? Okay. That's nice. All right. That's the way it goes. It's not that bad. You should try it sometime. Short-term memory lack thereof makes life less stressful thanks for tuning in god bless you thanks for your phone calls dear friends i hope i can call you that thank you for tuning in and come out this sunday to one of our two services as we worship god take communion and remember what jesus christ has done. That will change what we do. God bless.